This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Settling in a new city can raise lots of questions. How does the bus service work? Can I join the local library? Where do I go to get advice on renting a home? Over the next half hour, the team from Citizens Advice Bureau bring you information of special interest to new migrants to Dunedin. Welcome to Settlement Information with Citizens Advice Bureau. Kia ora koutou, ko Anna toku ingoa. My name is Anna, ko te pauwhakawhirinaki o Ōtipoti toku mahi. I work as the manager of Citizens Advice Bureau in Dunedin. Today we have um, one of the regional managers from the Migrant Exploitation Team at MB, Natalie Gardner. No mai haere mai. Kia ora for zooming in today, Natalie, to have a kōrero about um, migrant exploitation in the workplace. Kia ora. Thank you. So I thought we would start with um, what actually constitutes migrant exploitation. Sure. So essentially migrant exploitation is behaviour by an employer um, that causes harm, material harm to the economic, social, physical or emotional well-being of a migrant worker. Um, And we often see this with breaches of the minimum employment standards, health and safety legislation and also the immigration laws. Exploitation is deliberate and intentional, so it doesn't include situations where an employer has made a mistake with calculations or wasn't completely aware of their requirements. It's deliberate um, situations where it occurs. So, um, and some of the common types I see in New Zealand, well, I've read of exploitation in New Zealand, things like people that don't have a written employment agreement, you know, which is against the law. Um, Can you? Going yes. through a few of the other sort of more common types. Yeah, the, I, I guess they're more indicators of exploitation um, than types, and we would likely see a combination of those factors. Um, and some of those factors will be things like, as you said before, not having a written employment agreement, um, having to pay a fee to get your job. Um, we see scenarios where people have to give back part or all of their wages to their employer. Um, where they're paid too little or nothing at all for their work. Um, some are not paid for all the hours of work, so they might be um, working 70 hours a week but only being paid for 40, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, some might be asked um, to work less, uh, sorry, to say that they've worked less hours, so um, whether that's to immigration or to um, labour inspectors. Um, they're also made to work an excessive number of hours, sometimes with no breaks, um, have often have no time off work, um, are not being paid for public holidays or annual leave. Um, and we've also seen uh, cases where they haven't been able to, to leave their workplace because the doors and windows are locked or um, also where they've had to ask permission to eat, sleep or even go to the toilet. So those are some of the um, scenarios. Um, others that we might see or might be included in those um, indicators are where you're being forced to do work that's not part of your job. And we've seen where people have had to clean houses or um, some where they've been working in a restaurant and then had to go and work um, on an orchard in the weekends. So um, we've got a few scenarios of those occurring. Um, employer might be threatening to call immigration and um, saying that they won't support your work visa anymore. Um, or the forcing you to work more hours than your work visa allows. So often we see this with students who might be only allowed to work, say, 20 hours a week, and they're working 40. Yeah. Um, also, um, where your accommodation is 
as um, provided by your employer as part of your wages and salary, but they make you pay way more for, for it than you should be. Um, and we have also seen cases where there's been threats of harm um, to the migrant worker uh, or their family um, if they don't cooperate. Another common um, indicator would be where the employer is holding on to the person's passport. Um, and lastly, um, if they made any unwelcome sexual gestures towards you, that might also be an indicator. So yeah, yeah there's a lot of different factors. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it obviously leads to serious negative outcomes for migrants and New Zealanders, um, businesses here, and also you know our country's reputation. Um, so it's really important to reduce and eliminate any exploitation, obviously. Um, so how how does this affect migrants? Yeah, so exploited migrants often suffer physical, psychological and financial harm. So it's not just the fact that they're not getting paid, but a lot of them are in a very bad state when we, we interview them. Um, this harm can also extend to their families, both within New Zealand and their country of origin. And we've had cases where family members back in their um, home country have been threatened as well. Yeah, and it also obviously has an effect on the businesses that do comply. Mm, that's right. So compliant employers that are promoting fair and productive employment relationships are sometimes undercut by exploitative employers. So that might render the business unsustainable, um, yeah. but it also creates an uneven or an unfair playing field for these compliant employers. Yeah. Um, and so, and again, sort of, it affects all of us really, doesn't it? Um, because yes. it, it facilitates crimes that sort of affect the wider community. That's right. We um, It can facilitate crimes such as fraud and money laundering. But also we, we see um, obviously pressure on the tax and healthcare systems as well as a result. Yeah. And our, our international reputation would be affected too, which we don't want. No, it certainly can. Um, so migrant exploitation damages our um, international reputation as a non-corrupt, safe place to work and live. Mm. But it can also have a significant effect on a brand's reputation. So if the customers or consumers overseas hear that migrant exploitation has occurred in the supply chain of a branded product from New Zealand, this can actually result in a loss of export business by that New Zealand company. Yeah, for sure. So um, now sort of, I guess, thinking about the minimum employment rights, what, what, would, what, what are the most important minimum employment rights that, um, that employees, migrant employees, need to know and understand? Sure. So all workers in New Zealand have the same rights. That includes migrants and New Zealanders. So, and your employer can't take these away or make you agree to, to take them away or sign an employment agreement, which, which doesn't meet minimum employment entitlements. Um, so I'll just explain a little bit about the main entitlements, but I would suggest that uh, it's a good idea to read all the detail on the employment.government.nz website. Which yeah, gives a really full yeah. explanation. Um, but very just, thorough. Yeah. yeah. Just in summary, um, as an employee, so you have the right to be paid for a public holiday, which would fall on a normal workday for you, even if you don't work. So if you normally work Mondays and Monday's the public holiday, then you um, must be paid for that Monday. If you do work on a public holiday, then you should receive um, one and a half times your normal pay rate plus another day off, which we call an alternative day. 
Um, and there are a few more parts to the public holiday entitlements, which are explained on, on the website. So I won't go into all the detail on those. Um, in terms of leave, uh, you'll also have sick leave, bereavement leave, parental leave, and potentially domestic violence leave um, entitlements, and four weeks of paid annual leave a year, or at least four weeks. Um, some of those entitlements, such as sick leave, you may not be entitled to in your first year of work with an employer. So again, it's key to check on the employment.government.nz website to make sure. Uh, you'll also be entitled to paid rest breaks and unpaid meal breaks. And if you're 16 years or older, you must be paid at least minimum, minimum wage, which is $20 at the moment, for every hour worked. Um, and that's unless you're on a starting out um, or training um, rate. You can all also request your pay slip to be provided by your employer. In terms of health and safety, um, employers must provide a safe workplace with proper training, supervision and equipment. Yeah. Um, so the employment agreement is critical though, isn't it? And good advice for anyone, not just migrants who are listening, um, is that the employment agreement has to be well read and checked by someone who, who knows, you know, what it says and, and to get advice before you sign anything. Absolutely. Um, I think it would be key to, to get someone to read it with you and to go through and make sure it's all correct. Yeah. Um, in saying that, if the employer has included things in there that don't meet minimum standards, then they don't apply anyway. Minimum standards will always override that employment that's agreement. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, but the employer must provide you with a copy of your individual employment agreement. Yep. And there's a, a number of elements that it must contain. Um, and some of those are things like the name of the employer and the employee, a description of the work to be performed. So what is your role? What, what are you going to be doing? An indication of the place of work, the agreed hours or an indication of the hours that the employee will work. The wage rate or salary payable, again, as I said, must be at least minimum wage, and also how it will be paid. So that's, you know, whether it's fortnightly, monthly, into your bank account, etc. cetera. Um, and there's a number of other clauses there. Um, you, you must have an, a clause in there about um, being paid time and a half a week in public holiday. That has to be there. But checking on the employment website um, will go into all of the actual... Um, Find the detail. Yeah. Minor details of those clauses. Yeah. So, um, what some advice and tips on how employees keep themselves safe and avoid a bad employer who may exploit them, you know, before it sort of gets to that situation? So, do not pay your employer to get your job. That would be the key thing to start with. Um, we see this a lot where um, employees have paid a what we would call a premium to get their job. Um, it's against the law um, and we have um, taken employers to the Employment Court and Employment Relations Authority um, where they have done this before. So don't borrow any money to get a job either. And, and don't believe in false promises. Um, employers migrant advisors, work brokers, etc. Um, particularly overseas, um, if they're asking you for money in order to get the job, that is a warning sign. Uh, it's always good to check the Immigration New Zealand website as well. Um, often employers will put pressure on the employee around their visa, um, saying that it's going to give them a pathway to residence. 
Um, you just need to be aware that just having a job doesn't necessarily guarantee a pathway to residence or citizenship. So just check what what um, what it says on the immigration website in, in respect of your visa type. Yeah. Um, don't give your passport to your employer, as I said before. Keep it and keep it safe somewhere else. And also keep a copy of your passport and your visa. Always keep your employment agreement in a safe place as well. Uh, one thing that would be really helpful um, in a lot of our cases, um, the, the employees know that they're working more hours, but they've got no record of it. So it's sort of about them trying to think back when did they work and how long. So it's, it'd be a really good idea to keep a record of all of the days and hours you work, including when you're paid, how much you're paid, and any deductions, so any, any amounts that the employer has taken from your payments. Um, where possible, have your wages paid into a personal bank account. We often see um, um, employers paying into the bank account and then paying, paying some of the wages in cash, and some of that's to hide um, the fact that they're um, you know, taking money back, etc. Keep an appropriate record of any exploitation you believe you've experienced at your workplace. So write things down and just keep keep a record of things. Yeah, that's pretty critical. That keeping a record, isn't it? Um, just so there is some evidence, I guess, of you know the times and dates it happened. Keeping a real diary of of, of everything, Absolutely. because otherwise it's very hard to recall it at a later time. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so going on to how, how to report migrant exploitation, what's the, um, you know, so, who can report it, I guess? Yeah, it's not just so, the person exploited, is it? No, it can be anybody, actually. Um, someone that's observed the exploitation occurring, it could be an advocate, a neighbour, a friend, a relative of the exploited person, or the exploited worker themselves can report it. So there's um, options for reporting it. You can ring our 0800 number, which is a dedicated number. It's 0800 200 0888. And um, we also have translation services available on that 0800 number, which might be good for some employees that aren't confident in speaking English. Um, you can also go to our employment.government.nz website. And on the website, there's a link to our online reporting form. And as I said, anyone can make those um, reports. Yeah, and so that's www.employment.govt.nz. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what about, I mean, there's a lot of, well, I hear that in the meetings I'm, I'm involved with, with migrant communities and um, new arrivals that, you know, some people are scared to report this sort of, this exploitation. What, would, what advice would you have? Yes, um, that, that is often the case. They are scared and they're, they're fearful about their visa status or deportation. Um, but we would encourage anyone who's been exploited or has observed someone being exploited to, to contact us as soon as possible. We would treat every uh, complaint fairly and the information provided can help with action being taken against an employer who's not complying, complying with the law. And often we're able to um, recover um, the money that's, that's owed to the employee through that process. We also employ a number of principal liaison advisors, and they um, may be appointed um, to a migrant worker to support them through the process. So they can help with things such as um, obtaining a migrant exploitation visa, if they're eligible for that, and supporting them to get a, another job with another employer, 
putting them in touch with any support agencies um, where they're able to and where relevant to their situation. So what happens after the complaint has been reported? Like, can you just sort of step me through the process and how does that anonymity remain and the privacy of the person? You know, it must be quite tricky to sometimes keep it anonymous who, the, from, if it's a small um, business, I guess. Yes, and that's how, right. How does that it's work? tricky. Um, so I guess what happens after it's been reported. So generally someone will be in touch with, with whoever reported it to get more information. Um, your case will then be assessed and if it's clear there's been exploitation, um, it's sent to a, a joint agency panel who decide on the best avenue to pursue the case. So that could be the Labour Inspectorate, it could be our Labour Standards team, it could be an Immigration New Zealand investigation team. Um, that's where the um, offending appears to amount to criminal. Uh, and the person who's been assigned the case will then be in touch to discuss with you the next steps. Um, as I said before, there, there is likely to be a um, principal liaison advisor also assigned to support um, that person through the, the workplace, the, sorry, the process. But that does depend on the circumstances. Um, in terms of privacy, so um, I do understand that it can be tricky and we do respect that individuals might want to remain anonymous after making the complaint. Um, so they can do so anonymously and comp confidentiality is ensured for those that are willing to pass on their contact details um, for further questioning. But something to be aware of is that the employer or their representative may be within their rights to have the identity of the source revealed and that's by way of an inf Official Information Act request. Um, often we have the grounds to withhold the complainant's identity uh, should they, you know, should we feel that it might interfere with the investigation, um, but sometimes we do have to reveal it. Um, I would also say that if we're intending to investigate, prosecute and potentially recover money for the migrant, we would only be able to keep the complaint anonymous until we'd sort of started that enforcement action. Um, because we need to prove the exploitations occurred and we'd need to name the employees involved. Um, yeah. and, and in some cases, they may potentially be required to give evidence as witnesses. So, yeah, initially, yes, we can keep it. Yeah. Um, During the investigation, you, you can, but then there's a certain point, obviously, where people have to be named. That's right. Um, and sometimes it might, it, it might be that we've been able to support them to get out of that workplace by then and actually um, we're able yeah. to not reveal it until they've secured another role somewhere else in their own Yeah, and so in your sort of experience, there's never, there's not, I mean, do you have people from, that are independent, like does someone from a different area often investigate another area so that there's, because in small towns, you know, people would know each other. And also what's your experience of any kickbacks after the fact, if any of this happens to any migrants that have um, sort of, you know, wanted their exploitation to be investigated. So um, if you're talking about our, our investigators being in the same town as the... Well, I just wondered how that works. If it's a, yeah, if it's a small town, do you have a sort of team that travels around a little bit so it can be, so, if there's any sort of conflict of interest, it can be avoided? Oh, yes. Well, if there's, absolutely. If there's any conflict of interest, we wouldn't appoint a, an inspector yeah. to that case. Um, yeah. But... Our inspectors tend to be in the main centres and not in the small towns. So yeah. 
and we are a national team. It's not necessarily that if it's a Christchurch case that a Christchurch investigator will look at it. It could be yeah. actually someone from Auckland. Um, so yeah, it is it is a bit, it's more about where we've got capacity actually. Um, we can investigate from all over the country, so that wouldn't be an issue. Um, in terms of kickback afterwards, um, we, there's often at the beginning there might be a bit of pushback from the employer and a bit of a bit of threats and things like that. But once once we start actually um, putting things into the Employment Relations Authority or all the in court, um, we we will support the employees through that process, obviously. But um, we tend to find that they um, they actually come to the realisation that you know that they've got to face what they've done and, and either turn up to court to tell their side of the story or they admit um, what's happened and in Maybe a lot yeah. of cases in a lot of cases they actually pay the arrears before we even get to court. Um, yeah, good. Yeah, which is great. Um, I think that helps them show that they're actually willing to admit what they've done and, and um, potentially own up to it. So, um, but yeah. Yeah. Not not too much kickback afterwards, I'd have to say. And so what are the sort of, um, what are the penalties that can, you know, I mean, obviously there's a huge range, but it'll be fines. Yeah, um, so there is a huge range. Um, it really depends on the, the, the breaches, how serious they are, etc. cetera. Um, but they can face uh, penalties, financial penalties, about $50,000 uh, for an individual and 100000 um, for a company, and that's for each breach identified. So obviously, um, in some cases, there will be multiple breaches and the money can get quite high. Um, they can also be banned from being an employer and they can face a stand down period for employing migrants. So it means they've got a set period of time yeah. they're not actually allowed to employ migrants. Nice. And so um, quickly, maybe just tell me about the Migrant Exploitation Protection Visa. Sure, so this is a new visa category. Um, it's reserved for exploited migrants and it's to assist them leaving their job without um, having to worry about breaching their visa conditions or being able to work you know, for another employer. Um, but this, it's a great tool because often the employer is threatening um, the employee that they have to stay because otherwise their visa will get canceled and they you know, either get deported or they'll lose their ability to, to get residence, et cetera. Um, so they must have made a report of exploitation and it needs to have been assessed, um, as I mentioned before, through our process. Um, and they need to have been given a report of exploitation assessment letter prior to applying. So there are certain categories of, of, of um, migrants who, who will be eligible for that. And um, the visa itself is issued by Immigration New Zealand. and. Mm -hmm. Is usually granted for up to six months. It just depends on yep. what the time remaining is on their current visa, etc. Yep. Um, and and so that allows them to move and look for work with another employer. Yeah, without having to stress about that exactly. side of things. Yeah. Okay. And also, there's an inquiry into migrant exploitation um, by the government at present, and I see that the public submissions closed on the third of Feb. Do you want to just quickly yes, tell our listeners um, about that? Yeah. So um, there's. The, the people can find out more information on our website. Um, so that's essentially how we're addressing migrant exploitation. Um, and you can have a look at all the all the different various pieces of work going on. 
the website is um, our www.mb.gov.nz website and it's um, backslash immigration and tourism and if you go onto the immigration side you'll see temporary migrant worker exploitation review and you can yeah and so that main website's www.mbie.govt.nz yeah Correct. and then yep. you go to the immigration and tourism one yeah yeah cool um all right well i think that's been great thank you thank you to otago access radio jeff for hosting us and organizing the zoom and um kia ora for natalie um for your expertise on the subject Citizens Advice Bureau is always available, 471-6166. If you have any questions, we've got a lot of information and links, et cetera, to the um, migrant exploitation on our website too, www.cab.org.nz. Um, yeah. And thank you. Yeah, thank you. Take on mind. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.